0: the four companies that dominate this space are honeywell, Snyder, siemens and johnson controls uh, you know and, in, and unfortunately in india most of the products if you see what they sell they are uh, not their state of the art products uh, because of cost and other concerns now we have built something which is uh, you know state of the art competing with their state of the art and uh, you know sold at price points lower than their cheapest products that they sell in the market And of course, much, much richer in capacity and in terms of optimizing natural resource like energy. So I believe that, you know, not in the short term, but over a five year time frame, you'll see Dijoule as the technology of choice for all buildings and factories when they want to automate anything.
1: Hi, welcome to Forbes India's The Daily Tech Conversation, where we bring you insights from tech entrepreneurs, CXOs and investors from around the world whose work has a bearing on India. I'm Hariarakli, and in this episode, Arjun P. Gupta, founder and CEO of Smart Jewels in New Delhi, talks about his ambition to play a role in lifting millions of Indians from energy poverty and curtailing carbon emissions in the process. Arjun aspires to build an Indian company that can take on multinational giants such as Honeywell and Siemens in offering a building and energy management automation technology platform. Is currently looking to raise his Series B funding at Smart Jewels, which he founded in early 2015. Arjun, welcome to this podcast. Thank you so much for making time for this. Maybe you could start uh, by just giving us a background about the path that brought you to Smart Jewels. Tell us about your work.
0: Hi, Harry. Uh, great to be here. Uh, I'm an energy engineer. Uh, I started my career uh, with a very lucky job in Lawrence Berkeley National Lab, uh, which is a U.S. Department of Energy lab. And uh, there was a program starting there called Bijli, short for Berkeley-India Joint Leadership in Environment and Energy. Uh, There were these two gentlemen uh, in the Berkeley Hills, uh, both Indian. Uh, One is Professor Arun Majumdar and the other one Professor Ashok Gadgil. And, you know, this was 2008 when I graduated, and uh, I was not finding a job. One of my professors told me, go up the hill and meet these two gentlemen. Uh, They were working in the Energy Efficiency Technologies Division in Lawrence Berkeley National Lab. I went there, and they were having a meeting about this building simulation, energy simulation software that was being used all over the world uh, for simulation. And they were talking about some particular technical glitch in that software. Now I was sitting in the room as a young graduate with no job and you know, wondering what's going on. But they told me uh, you know that this program Bigly is starting and they asked me what I'm interested in doing. I said, I want to work on something that uh, will lead to sustainable development of India. And that's the only criteria that I have for the job that I'm looking for. They said, this is perfect. Uh, you can join tomorrow. So, you know, that was the starting of my journey in energy efficiency. Uh, my, I did uh, about one year of research work there, very intensive research on how India can utilize energy efficient technologies to uh, do two things. First is lift about 300 million Indians out of energy poverty. At that time, we had 300 million people without reliable energy access in India. And B, uh, make a big mark on carbon, uh, eliminating carbon emissions. So, the headline of my research there, uh, you know, the title was Eliminating Electricity Deficit in India Through Energy Efficiency. And the key finding was that, you know, this was again in 2008, the key finding was that, you know, to bring these 300 million Indians out of energy poverty, uh, all we had to do was stop wasting energy. Uh, We did not have to build a single new coal-fired power plant. That's the amount of energy that we waste. So that was the first aha moment for me, that you know this is an area that, that is super impactful, a uh, very, very uh, scaled-up way to address climate change as well as energy access issues, uh, and got me very interested. So that was the first uh, moment. The second one was uh, nine years later, when I moved back to India, uh, I got a chance to work in one of the largest infrastructure companies in India uh in the chairman's office this was jay prakash associate jp group mm. and uh, the chairman was very nice to offer me a chance to create my own job description and i thought uh you know back to my berkeley days and you know i'd, I'd always worked in energy throughout these nine years uh, that i was in the us and i thought uh, jp group has got you know it was the third largest cement company had a big fertilizer plant a big uh, presence in real estate uh hospitals hotels universities Formula One circuit, basically a lot of different areas. So I thought the energy consumption in some of these factories and buildings, it has to be one of the biggest costs for the organization. And and it was, you know, uh, thousands of crores worth of energy consumption in one company. So I made my job, uh, you know, to adopt sustainable energy solutions within the company's businesses while reducing operating costs and carbon emissions at the same time. So this was you know, an idea to profitably decarbonize the company uh, and also doing this through third-party capital, you know, not using JP Group's own resources because JP Group already had a lot of debt at that time. So we didn't want to take more debt and make more investments. So this was a very interesting challenge. And this was in 2013 when I started working in India. And during the time I was in JP Group, I found that this is not only a very impactful area, right? The, the quantum of opportunity is huge, but it's also extremely profitable to do energy efficiency. Uh, and, you know, it's such an interesting area because it's not just one technology or one practice. It's a bunch of different interesting technologies, practices, operating patterns that come into play. So, you know, it, it was I was like a kid in a candy store uh, you know, so many technologies to bring to bear that can help reduce emissions and energy consumption while also increasing the profitability of the company. So, you know, that was the second moment. And then there was a distinct third, which is, you know, a year and a half into this job, I had developed so many projects across the group companies that were able to reduce emissions, energy, and improve profitability. But I found that the supply side, you know, the companies that were there in India that could help JP Group actually materialize these opportunities, right? Actually act upon them uh, were very, very few and far between. So, uh, the Bureau of Energy Efficiency publishes a list of ESCO companies, energy service companies, and there were about 150 companies on that list. So, I called each and every one of them and and, uh, said, these are the projects that we want to implement within JP Group. What can you do? Could you come and design them, execute them, finance them and share the savings with us, you know, because that's what we were looking for. And mm-hmm. uh, I found that there, were, there was not a single company which is a world-class energy efficiency company. Most of the companies, they have a product company, you know, some, somebody selling lights, somebody selling heat pumps, somebody selling some other technology, but no, there was not a single solution company. And I thought back to, you know, what had made other technologies scale, like for example, solar, right? The power purchase mm-hmm. agreement, the p p a model really helped uh, you know remove the first cost barrier and helped a lot of com- businesses adopt solar rooftop solutions and otherwise right so I thought the same model can be applied to energy efficiency where you remove that first cost barrier and you know th- this was a chance to make a world class company on the demand side of the equation right help help other businesses reduce the energy consumption and do so profitably so those are the three kind of you know points in the journey at different points that brought me to starting Smart
1: SmartJuels. Mm. Br- briefly, just for folks who might be curious about it, including myself, uh, what got you to come back to India?
0: Yeah, uh, you know, I'm, I, I believe in, uh, I'm a really uh, proud Indian, and I always wanted to work on sustainable development of India. Even when I went for my undergraduate uh, degree in Berkeley, I was there for four years, and I, my first thought was, let me get back to India as soon as I can. But, uh, you know, I got some good advice that it's good to get some world-class experience while you're there. So I thought, okay, fine, let me take a job for a year. Then after I finished that job, then I got another advice. Okay, now you, need, you should do a master's degree because there's so much more to learn. Then I went for a master's degree. <laughs> then after that, I was, again, you know, desperately looking to go back to India. But then I found a startup over there, a uh, really amazing entrepreneur, Paul Sulu, who was starting Harvest Power Organic Waste to Energy Company which in a year became the largest organic waste manager in North America, funded by Kleiner Perkins. And there I got a job. You know, I, t- I told Paul that I want to go back to India as soon as possible. He said, okay, well, why don't you work here for a year and a half? And then once you learn the business over here, you can help us uh, take the business to India. So I thought that was a fantastic opportunity. But uh, you know, in that one and a half years that I was there, I came back to India multiple times and found that that business model for this market is not suitable. Uh, those are very large capital-intensive facilities, whereas India is probably requires more of a decentralized infrastructure for organic waste management. Hmm. So uh, you know, I realized that's not going to work. Then you know, <laughs> finally after nine years, I thought, okay, now there will always be opportunity in the U.S. But if I don't go back to India now, it's never going to happen. Uh, and then I got this wonderful opportunity with JP Group. Hmm.
1: So and then the, what got you to sort of turn entrepreneur yourself? I mean, I'm thinking that you. Uh, the frustration with not having uh, a vendor who looked holistically at energy efficiency as you wanted to look at it. Uh, uh, and rather than selling piecemeal products, uh, you probably thought you could do something better on your own. I mean, is that how, What that was the sort of thought process? How did you become a startup mm-hmm. founder yourself?
0: Actually, the I come from a business family. Uh, so, you know, the, the the urge to start a business of my own was always there since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, second, you know, I was part of the Energy Innovation and MIT Energy Club, that community. And that was a highly entrepreneurial community as well. You know, when I was in my master's degree, there, I took a course called MIT Energy Ventures. Uh, actually started a company while I was a student over there as well, uh, along with a couple of other students. And uh, they are still continuing on the company in today's day, which is fantastic. So, you know, that kind of training further bolstered my interest into starting a company. Um, When I came back to India and took this job, uh, I was pretty clear with the chairman that I'm not going to be in this job for too long, right? While I'm here, I'm going to produce uh, all the results I can for the company, but maybe, you know, maybe around two years I'll stick around and then my goal is to start my own company. So, that was always a consistent theme that I wanted to start something. But when I saw, you know, that this is an area that I know a lot about, right? So I've got a good amount of knowledge in energy efficiency. uh, And it's an area that really interests me because, uh, you know, it's very interdisciplinary in nature. And I always did like engineering, economics, policy, everything together, mixed. So it would allow me to work on all those areas together. And then third, that there was a real need in the market and a huge gap, right? Not a single world-class company in energy efficiency. Everybody was focused on renewables. Uh, but nobody was looking at this problem. So, you know, I thought that, you know, nothing better than
1: to start now. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, sort of dive right in to Smart Jewels. Tell us about uh, the company, uh, what's at the heart of your work?
0: Yeah. Uh, so, you know, Smart Jewels is a mission driven company. Our mission is to eliminate energy waste. People don't really think of energy as a thing that is wasted, we think of solid waste, but there's a lot of energy waste. So, our mission is to eliminate energy waste. Uh, you know, our, our target and our vision is by 2030, before 2030, to avoid 29 million tons of carbon emissions. Uh, that 29 million tons comes from is derived from the global target of reaching halfway to net zero by 2030. So to get there, we'll have to avoid 29 billion tons of carbon. And I feel like if we're any entrepreneur is working in climate action they should target addressing at least 0.1% of the problem right, with their company, and if not, then it's not really going to matter. right? So that's the thing about scale. So 0.1% of the global target is something that we are targeting within this decade. Um, how we do it is by making energy savings simple, substantial, and profitable for other businesses. These are the three tenets of our business to make energy saving simple, substantial, and profitable uh, for other businesses. So, uh, how we do it? Uh, We've got uh, three offerings. Uh, One is called Joule Pays. Pays for pay, as you say. Uh, This offering is for the existing stock of infrastructure that we have. So, here in Joule Pays, we go to a facility and say, your historical consumption of energy is, let's say, 100 units. Over the last three years, you've been consuming 100 units on average, year on year, right? Now we come into the facility and say, we will reduce this 100 units to let's say 80, right? Depending on what's the starting position, we offer a guaranteed reduction based on the hiso- historical levels. Then we say, we will do all the work that is required to bring your facility from 100 to 80, right? We will do all the design work, the execution work, the operations and maintenance work, the automation work, the technology work that is required and the funding that is required to bring your facility from 100 to 80. Once we bring it to 80, that means we have saved you 20 units worth of energy, right? Uh, Every month, we will calculate and show you how much savings we are delivering to your facility. And we will only charge a percentage of the savings that we deliver to you every month under a long-term contract, right? So just like in a power purchase agreement, you sell kilowatt hours, right, energy. Here we sell saved energy to our client, mm. right? And all the work to design, execute, manage the whole energy efficiency project is done by G. So for the client, it gives you a guaranteed reduction in energy at zero investment, right? So basically we are going to a client and saying, we're going to put a check in your pocket every month and you have to do nothing except allow us to work in your facility. Uh, and you know, of course, in addition to the energy efficiency improvements that we will bring, there will be additional improvements in terms of quality levels, in terms of technology, in terms of visibility levels, in terms of reliability of your operations, and in terms of the life of your infrastructure. So all of these other benefits are on top and you know, completely to the account of our customer, and we don't take anything for that. So this model has been very successful. Uh, you know, We have achieved about 35% reduction in energy consumption, or in total energy consumption for all our clients till date on average across our portfolio. And uh, this single model has reduced carbon emissions by about 100,000 tons uh, till date. Now, uh, while we were looking at this model, right, this was a primary model that we went to market with, because it's very easy to understand. And, you know, everybody knows how much money they're spending, because it's in their bills. And when they see that somebody's coming to reduce their bills, you know, they like that model. Now, while we were executing this model, we realized a couple of things. Uh, One is that you know, uh, we are really good, like one of the largest single end uses is air conditioning, right? We are working a lot with buildings and we're like, well, air conditioning is is contributing about 60, 70% of the total energy consumption of the buildings that we're working with. So we have become really good in centralized air conditioning and making those systems very efficient. Then we realized another thing that actually most of the buildings that will exist in India over the next 20 years are yet to be built. So while we have a model for the existing building stop, we didn't yet have a model for all the new construction that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Then we also realized that actually, if you look at the levels of energy saving, right? How, are, how do you generate energy saving? There are four primary levels. The first one is design, really good system design. The second one is selection of really highly energy efficient equipment. The third one is data-driven operations. So continuously optimize the operations using data rather than some rules. And then the fourth one is behavior, right? How do we actually behave and uh, consume energy as users of the facility? So we we always target the first three. Behavior is very difficult to influence. Uh, That's not our business. But the first three, right? World-class design, investment in highly energy-efficient equipment, and data-driven operational efficiency. These three we really target. And if you look at the opportunity in design, it's a lot more in the new building stock rather than something that already exists. So we knew that we can actually make an even bigger impact when we target new facilities. So we came up with a new business model called Joule Cool. This one is a cooling as a service business model. Here, again, this is a utility business, right? So you know, imagine uh, you're a building or a factory and you need to buy power, right? You don't go and build your own power plant unless you have a very huge factory. What you do is you you go to a utility and say, okay, I want 100 kilowatts of power, you know, so you have a demand charge for that. And then based on how much power you consume every month, you pay the utility. So what we're doing is we're bringing the same model to cooling, which is a very large end use. And I'll tell you the numbers around that soon. So in cooling, what we tell our, uh, you know, building owners and factory owners that are building new facilities is that you don't need to do anything. We'll come and design, build, own, operate the entire cooling infrastructure on your site. And you just pay us a demand charge and a usage charge, right? Based on what is the capacity of the system that we're putting in and based on how much cooling you're consuming every month. So that is our business model for new facilities. And that is also seeing really good demand in the market and good acceptance. Um, And then the third solution that we have is a pure product solution. So to enable, you know, as I mentioned, to enable either Joule Pays or Joule Cool. You require the, the third part you know how you produce savings is operational efficiency right so currently you know most of our facilities are operated by human beings, and these people you know the operators uh, are very highly skilled in terms of reliability right to make sure that they are doing good troubleshooting. but in terms of energy, they actually operate these facilities on some rules. they don't really know what are the implications of the operational decisions that they make, and they don't really have much insight into data. So what we developed over the last six years is an IoT technology platform called DJule. Here, it completely automates the operations of these energy-consuming systems like air conditioning, compressed air, hot water, large energy-consuming systems. And so it automates them and operates based on data, right? So the design of the facility, what kind of equipment do you have? What is the real-time operational efficiency of each of the equipment? What's the best way to operate, right? Which equipment to operate at what levels, what set points? All of these decisions are made automatically by our IoT platform uh, uh, in, in real time, right? And all the assets are automated. So this djul is used in each of our uh, business models, JoulePage and Cool, and also sold as a standalone product for people who are just looking to buy intelligent automation technology. So that's a nutshell of our business, Hari.
1: Can you give a couple of quick examples? By design, do you mean... For example, better ventilation, better lighting. I mean, I'm sort of talking in a simplistic manner as a layperson. Equipment, you already mentioned uh, air conditioning and maybe in terms of uh, data-driven operations of these large buildings, etc. Just give us some specific examples.
0: Sure. Uh, Now I'll give you specific examples of some of the facilities. So when you look at design, right, uh, what we look at is life cycle impact of, of energy consumption of any system design. For example, uh, you know, should you use, should you install uh, four equipment that are all variable speed or should you in- install two equipment that are fixed speed and two that are variable speed? Then, you know, we look at frictional losses, for example, in water distribution. In air conditioning, one of the main energy consumers is distributing water throughout the building. So what are the frictional losses and the piping design that, is, that should be there to minimize the frictional losses? then you look at the air distribution. Right? So if you have 10 areas to cool, right? should you have one equipment cooling all 10 areas or 10 different equipment cooling these areas? So what should be the ducting design? Uh, right? that, that should be in place. So, uh, and then medium of cooling. Right? Should you use water as a main medium or air or kind of a mixture of air and water for the different areas of the, of the building? Should you have unitary air conditioning in some areas and centralized in some areas or all centralized? So these are questions about how you actually design the air conditioning systems and other like heating systems and compressed air systems uh, so that uh, the energy consumption will be as minimum as possible right um, that is uh, that's design and insulation you know uh, using heating uh, sorry the reflective paints etc so it's a very vast area you know that you can use and this is a very economical way because design is basically you know what you know and your knowledge a uh, very, very economical way to uh, to do energy efficiency design. The third one uh, you know you asked me to comment a little bit on the operational side. So in operation, you know let's imagine that you have for your air conditioning system again, you have three chillers, right? Chillers are the main energy consuming equipment. Now, traditionally, an operation team that might be there will operate these chillers based on some rules. They'll say, okay, you know if it's a 24 hour operating facility then say operate chiller 1 for 8 hours then give it a rest operate chiller 2 for 8 hours give that rest and operate chiller 3 for 8 hours very very standard operational practice however when you look at data and you say okay should i actually operate chiller number 1 and 2 together at part load at 50% loading and let them share the cooling load will that lead to lower energy consumption than only operating one chiller at a time right so that is counterintuitive because your operator will think no, you know, operating two equipment means you're going to consume more energy. But actually, because of the design of the equipment, at part load they consume less efficient, uh, less energy, right? So maybe it's better to operate two at a time and even three at a time, right? So the, this is a very simplistic uh, way the, to explain what kind of operational decisions our, uh, our technology makes. But this is across the board for all equipment, right? So chillers, pumps, cooling towers, air handling unit, drives, walls, every single piece of equipment, you know, uh, at at what level should it be operating uh, and how many and which one should be operating at any given point of time, because the loads, right, the requirement of cooling is always changing, right? And the condition of the equipment itself is also always changing, right? So at one point of time, for example, you know, if you have four pumps, one pump may actually require maintenance. Now, this is not always obvious. Right, so your operator may not know that actually my pump number three is not running very efficiently. However, our system knows that out of four pumps, pump number three is running inefficiently at the moment. So let's avoid running it. Let's give an alarm to the maintenance team that they need to do something over there and exploit the other three pumps in the meantime while the third one gets uh, renovated, you know, sorry, maintained and brought back to operational life. So these are the kinds of automated decisions and intelligent operations that our platform enables.
1: So your offerings are a combination of uh, some sophisticated software that take in data from measurements from hardware, sensors that speak to this software and so on. And then, uh, and then in turn uh, will uh, direct these uh, different equipment to behave in a particular way. And so I'm thinking you've taken care of all of those things. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. What I believe, Harry is that you have to close the loop right? Uh, so, the, our platform does three things, basically. A is data collection, right? So, you have to collect data from sensors. You have to collect even design data, right? What are the design curves of all of these equipment? Because if you don't inform your models with, you know, what is a chiller? How is this supposed to perform? How is the pump supposed to perform? Then it's incomplete. So we've taken a lot of these data streams from various data streams, right? Some are sensor-based, some are actually just paper, Excel models, et cetera, feed it into our platform. So that the first thing is data ingestion from a number of different areas. The second one uh, is, you know, once you've ingested the data, is to have algorithms that automatically identify energy wastage, right? So we have models that identify, okay, this pump is supposed to consume 5 kilowatts, but it's consuming 8. So you know that that is energy is waste identification, right? Automate, automated. The third one is once you've identified wasted uh, energy and you've identified what is the right way to operate, it's automated operations of that intelligence, right? So you don't want to just give advice to a team of human operators that you know you should run the system like this because if you do that, 99% of your advice is not going to be implemented. So you have to close the loop and automate the operations as well, right? So data ingestion, figuring out what are the inefficiencies and what are the right way to operate and then automatically deploying those strategies on the ground through a hardware that we also build, right? So we also build the intelligent controllers that are on the field, taking data from the cloud, from all our algorithms and deploying the automation strategies in real time.
1: So, so would you say overall your offerings uh, would currently cover uh, what are called scope one and scope two emissions? Absolutely correct.
0: Scope one and scope two is where we are uh, focused. Scope one because we work a lot on you know the fuel that is consumed on the site. So a lot of our customers have, are consuming a lot of diesel, right? So for hot water and steam generation, uh, unfortunately, the primary fuel in India right now is diesel, right? People mm-hmm. have diesel boilers on their site. Uh, And diesel is one of the worst fuels. Uh, Of course, it's a good fuel, as in it has a lot of energy intensity, so, you know, liquid fuel, easy to transport, etc., and the density of energy in in a litre of diesel is, is amazing, right? However, it's a very polluting fuel, as we all know, right? And we import most of our diesel. So, scope on emissions in terms of eliminating diesel use. The second one is gas. There's a lot of natural gas used. Natural gas is extremely expensive. Uh, It's a cleaner fuel than diesel and oil, but still uh, it's a hydrocarbon. So, you know, we also reduce uh, the the natural gas usage on the site for our customers, where it's, you know, related to hot water or steam. And then scope two emissions because electricity, right? We we save a lot of electricity. So, uh, what you need to buy from the grid, like if you were buying 100 units earlier, now you'll need to buy only 80 units. So, yeah,
1: scope one and two is where we are focused. Uh, Any uh, noteworthy customers that you can talk about?
0: Yeah, certainly. I think, uh, you know, we, we started with a very singular focus on the healthcare sector. So for the first six years of our company, we didn't look at any other customer except healthcare. Good. Um, I, I can talk about the reason for choosing that if you're interested. But, you know, we chose there and now in the healthcare sector, we've captured a lot of the large healthcare players. Um, uh, one of the you know contracts that uh, that we are very proud of is uh, the apollo group right apollo is the largest healthcare chain in india uh, they have about 73 healthcare facilities and uh, you know we we had actually we went to one of the units in gujarat first uh, they found us through their bankers they wanted to reduce the energy costs and found us and then we started working with them and reduced their consumption by about 20% Then looking at this success, another unit of Apollo in Calcutta reached out to us and said, we want to do the same thing. In Calcutta, we reduced by 25%. Then, you know, this had never happened in the history of Apollo group before that units are reducing in a single year their energy consumption by 20-25%. They were used to seeing their energy bills either increase or reduce by maximum 1% or 2%. Now, obviously, when you reduce by 20%, 25%, it caught the attention of the central team of Apollo. Right, so the CFO and the uh, you know, vice president of strategy, et etc., they got news of this. This is happening in the unit. Then they invited us for some discussions. That you know, can you replicate this across our entire chain of hospitals? And this is precisely what we were building towards all these years, Hari, uh, because you know to be able to execute this at a large number of facilities throughout the country is not an easy task. But by this time, uh, you know, it had already been six years into the company. And we were confident that we can do this simultaneously across the country. So we actually took up all the largest hospitals of the Apollo uh, hospitals chain in a single contract, which is a 10-year pay-as-you-save contract. And we have been executing that over the past year and already seeing uh, tremendous results throughout the group. So that is one uh, you know, very, very good uh, success story. And these are the kind of portfolio-wide engagements that we are looking for, right? Where we go to a company and say, "Well, you have 30 facilities, 40 facilities, 50 facilities. However many you have, uh, we don't really care where they are. We are going to uh, reduce their consumption throughout, and we, you know, here is an assured reduction with zero investment from your side and a shared saving over a long period of time, right? And uh, the second one, I'll, uh, you know, on the Joule Cool side, the cooling as a service, we also have a similar success story." where there is a, you know, hospital chain called Kim's, Kim's Healthcare, right? They just did an IPO last year and they are very aggressively building uh, first class healthcare facilities across India, uh, you know, because we do have a very large shortage of healthcare facilities, uh, you know, whether it's tier one, tier two, tier three cities, there's a huge shortage of high class, high quality healthcare facilities. So Kim's did an IPO, they're building about 10 hospitals in the next two years. So we had already worked in one of their largest hospitals, right? With the June pays model and their management said, well, we have to build 10 more hospitals in the next two years. And, uh, you you know, they were interested in our June cool model and we have signed up with them to do that for all of these facilities going forward, right? So all of these facilities will enjoy cooling as a service. Zero capital investment from uh, Kims. They can, you know, prioritize that investment towards building more facilities or better facilities and investing in more medical equipment. Uh, rather than you know cooling equipment. And then we are investing in the cooling systems and assuring them of very sustainable, convenient, reliable cooling uh, for very, very long contractual periods. So these are a couple of success stories. We are also replicating them in other industries now. Uh, for example, we got a recent client uh, in the FMCG industry. We got a client in the pharmaceutical industry. And we look to enter very soon the data center industry, which is heavily, 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 uh, hmm. Dependent on cooling, I mean, the one data center will consume equivalent amount of energy as compared to 20 hospitals. So, you know, that's hmm. uh, that's another industry that we're very keen uh, keenly looking at. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, briefly, uh, I'm curious why you started with uh, the healthcare uh, sector.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, you know, when we when you look at, uh, I, I told you like our job is to make energy saving simple, substantial, and profitable. So when we look at the, you know, we, first of all, we thought as a startup, you have to focus in one area and become the best in the world in that, right? And if you if you are not able to build scale in one niche and become really, really good in that, then you don't really have a business, right? And it's better to focus on one rather than to spread yourself in because different segments, actually different industrial segments have different nuances, Okay. Like, for example, the billing practices will be different, the culture of the facilities will be different, the ownership structure will be different, uh, you know, the types of engineering, engineers that are there will be different. So we decided early on that we are going to focus on one sector to start with and build a real business in that sector, right? So go from being a startup to a real business. So we chose healthcare for a number of reasons. First is that healthcare facilities operate 24-7. Right. So Mm -hmm. as an energy efficiency intervention, you want to save energy round the clock, not just for twelve hours or fourteen hours. Right? So if you save energy twenty-four hours, you're gonna have a better economics around the project, right? So that's one. Second is that the healthcare facilities are they the same owners and the same operators and the same people paying the bill. So my sale, you know, the value proposition is very clear. I can go to a hospital owner and say, I'm gonna change your infrastructure or upgrade your infrastructure in your facility where you are paying the bill. Uh, whereas if I go to a mall, right, the mall uh, owner is different, the person who operates the facility is a different facility management company, and the beneficiary of energy efficiency are the tenants. So mm. there the value proposition is a slightly more complex uh, to actually go through, right? And third is that healthcare facilities, it's a very stable business, right? Unlike hotels where there's seasonality or malls where, you know, there's all kinds of business fluctuations or even office buildings where you can have a good year and a bad year. In hospitals, you will always have high occupancy, right? All the facilities that we work with have 70% or more occupancy. So, you know, the kind of variation, the natural variation in their energy bill is very low. So when you save energy for them, they know that you've saved 20% or 30% or 40%. And in one case, we've even reduced their bills by 73%. So, you know, the value proposition is very clear. The, the, The business is very stable. Uh, I would also say one more thing. The healthcare community, they're, they're very professional, right? So they like to adopt new technology. They like to uh, adopt new models. They like to, you know, do things that benefit planet and people, right? So culturally, there is a very good alignment there. And also as a business, like if I look, you know, I'm signing up 10 year contracts with my customers, right? So I want, I, 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 we will only invest in facilities and sectors which are stable which have good companies where you know that your investment is safe. So healthcare was a particularly good sector. Uh, and, you know, the other ones that I'm mentioning are also, you know, share some of those characteristics.
1: Going forward, what would you say is your biggest opportunity? And I know that uh, last year, I think you raised your Series A and you've been building this company for over seven years now. So maybe you can also give us an update on funding and investors and I mean, in the context of uh, what you see as your biggest opportunity in the coming quarters. Sure. So, uh,
0: very clearly, the biggest opportunity uh, uh, that we see right now is portfolio wide contracts, whether it's an existing portfolio facility or a bunch of new facilities that are coming up with our June Pays and June Cool models. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, there's there's so many facilities coming up, and you know, just sign them up for cooling as a service. It's an assured way to reduce consumption in cooling by 40% or more. So, you know, Mm -hmm. that's one. Uh, A huge opportunity, that's a short term, medium term that I'm saying is our biggest opportunity. Now, uh, if you look at slightly longer term, it's the same model as a service applied to other energy end users. So, you know, while cooling is the single largest end use in buildings, when you go to factories, you find compressed air, hot water, and steam to be the largest end users, right? Now, these end users share the same characteristics as cooling where energy cost is the single largest component of life cycle cost of ownership. If you take the asset, operation, maintenance, energy, energy is 80 to 90% of the cost in all of these end users. So to take the same model of as a service and bring it to hot water, compressed air, and steam, right? then we become a proper digital, profitable, sustainable energy utility of the future. So that's what we're building towards. And, you know, obviously anchoring all of this is our technology platform called Dijool. And, uh, you know, if I I talk about Dijool, also, Hari, it's it's quite fascinating. It is a standalone automation technology, which is way advanced compared to the regular building management systems and automation systems for utilities that you see today. There is not a single Indian company that has attempted to build a world-class building management system, right? There are a lot of analytics Companies. There's a lot of other kind of IoT kind of companies, but not a complete building management system that has been built out of India uh, till date. The four companies that dominate this space are Honeywell, Schneider, Siemens, and Johnson Controls. Um, you know, and, and unfortunately, in India, most of the products, if you see what they sell, they are uh, not okay. their state-of-the-art products uh, because of cost and other concerns. Now, we have built something which is uh, you know, state-of-the-art, competing with their state-of-the-art, and uh, you know, sold at price points lower than their cheapest products that they sell in the market, and of course, much much richer in capacity and in terms of optimizing natural resource like energy. So I believe that you know, not in the short term, but over a five year time frame, you'll see dejuul as the technology of choice for all buildings and factories when they want to automate anything. So that that's you know, that's also something that we we want to build. So these are the big opportunities in terms of funding. Of course, I mean. This is a capital intensive business. This is not a SaaS business. Okay. This is a hardcore energy business. So it, it is going to require a lot of capital to build this up, right? To build a utility company, basically, you need a lot of money. So we raised the a series A and that time, you know, the, the single thing that we wanted to prove was that energy efficiency cannot only be done at one facility at a time, but at a full portfolio at a time. So we, we've done that with a couple of, you know, we've proven that with a couple of cases now. Now, in fact, we are, uh, we're just starting our next fundraise, which is going to be quite substantial. And with that, uh, you know, with that fundraise, we're going to really accelerate uh, this Joule Cool and Joule Pays, and not only look at healthcare, but also go into, uh, you know, uh, about three other industries where we think this opportunity is really uh, huge uh, and immediately actionable. So, our current investors are, you know, Asian Development Bank, ADB Ventures. They started a new climate fund by the, you know, around the time we were fundraising. So, we were among their first investments anywhere in the world. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, a couple of uh, impact funds like Rain Tree uh, and then Sangam Ventures. Um, and then Max, a real estate company, Max uh, Real Estate. Uh, they have also invested in our company and a lot of angel investors. So, we've got Mr. Nadir Bodridge. Uh, then we've got uh, Mr. Sakez Berman from the D- uh, Dabur family, uh, and then you know, a couple of my ex-colleagues from Harvest Power. You know, I believed in them, and you know, they told me that whenever you start your company, we'll invest in your company. So Paul Silu and Wayne Davis from Harvest Power. These guys, I mean, Paul is building another climate venture right now in the U.S. Uh, he just raised four, five hundred million dollars for that. And he, He's also an angel investor in our company. So th- this is our current uh, investment uh, investor kind of landscape. And going forward, we are really looking to work with, uh, you know, a very uh, good uh, kind of uh, climate focused investor, which thinks about long term and is excited to build, you know, excited by this opportunity to build a new type of utility.
1: Hmm. So I'm thinking you'll need upwards of 20, 25 million dollars.
0: Yeah, yeah, certainly. I mean, upwards of 30 million dollars, we haven't finalized exactly what that number is going to look like, but definitely upwards of 30 million dollars.
1: Wonderful, lovely update, Rajan. about your work. Thank you again for making time for this. Definitely hope to keep the conversation going.
0: Thank you very much, Harry. And uh, you know, one more thing I would say before I end is that it's a very exciting time to be a climate entrepreneur. And uh, you know, I've been doing this since 2008, but now in 2022, the environment for climate innovation is fantastic. There are a lot of good innovators. And, uh, you know, uh, another thing that I do apart from SmartJules is Sustainability Mafia, which is our nonprofit uh, where we have about 50 to 60 climate tech entrepreneurs, all building really amazing ventures. So I hope to see some of them on your platform featured. I see you already featured a couple of them, uh, including Climbs, and I hope to see many more coming up in the future.
1: That's it for this conversation. You can find all our podcasts at ForbesIndia.com and on your favorite podcast apps. I'm Hari Arakali.